G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. We all know people who've made a commitment to follow Jesus and they mysteriously crashed and burned. You're thinking, wow, if someone like that could fall away, am I next? That's entirely up to you. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out just how secure we are in the Lord. That is, if we want to be. Do you want to be safe in the protective arms of Jesus? And that's exactly where you will be. Listen, you are kept. You are safe. This is the day when the lost are found. lives are saved every year because of seatbelts. But a seatbelt can't help you if you're not wearing it. It's our choice to be safe or not. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out we also have a choice to take advantage of the safety and security we find in Jesus. This world is a scary place, don't we know it? But we'll find out how to look beyond this world for help in a message from Pastor Greg's study series in the Gospel of John. title of my message is Jesus Prayer for You. So here's the question. What does Jesus pray when He intercedes for us? And that is revealed to us here in John chapter 17, verse 7. They have known all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words you have given me, and they have received them. And they have surely known that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I've kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And so here's what Jesus prays for us. If you're taking notes, you might wanna write this down. First, he prays for our preservation. Point number one, he prays for our preservation. Look at verse 11. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are. He prays for you to be preserved. Now we all know people who've made a commitment, and maybe I'll use that word in quotes. They've made a commitment to follow Jesus and they mysteriously crashed and burned. You saw them in church week after week, maybe even for a time, month after month, and all of a sudden, they're gone. 
You can't find them anywhere. You call them, then they change their phone number. Uh, they don't respond to emails anymore. They're, they're just gone. Where did they go? What happened to them? And then you find out that they fell away spiritually. Maybe their marriage fell apart. Maybe they went back to the old life again, doing things they used to do. But uh, they just no longer had any interest in following Jesus. And it freaks you out a little bit because you're thinking, wow, if someone like that could fall away, am I next? It, could it be me next? Well, here's my answer to your question. It may actually surprise you. That's entirely up to you. Do you want to be next? Do you want to fall? Well, you certainly can because God's given you a free will. Do you not want to fall? Do you want to be safe in the protective arms of Jesus? And that's exactly where you will be. Listen, God wants you safe, but you have to do your part. There's God's part and there's your part. Because the moment you fail to move forward spiritually is the moment you effectively begin to go backwards spiritually. Not overnight. I knew a train is you know, rolling down the tracks at full speed and they cut power. The train doesn't just suddenly stop. If you threw the brakes on it, it will begin to stop. But if you cut power, it'll still go very quickly. In fact, there's so much momentum, you won't even notice it at first. It'll be going very quickly, you know, and then it's a little slower, slightly slower, just a little bit slower, then a little slower, then even slower, and then it rolls to a slow stop. That's what backsliding is like for most people. It's not overnight. You don't call up your Christian buddy and say, hey dude, want to backslide tonight? <laughs> Just totally abandon our faith and ruin everything. Yeah, okay, what time you will start? You know, there might be some idiot out there that's done that. But, <laughs> but that's not generally how it works. Here's how it works. Well, I'm kind of busy. I can't really get to reading the Bible this morning because I spent an hour on Facebook, right? Or I, I can't really... I can't make it to church. You know, there's other things going on besides my favorite TV series just started. And I'm gonna, or, you know, the football games are back on again. We, we got to follow our team or whatever it is. It's just sort of relaxing my grip here, relaxing my grip there, a little bit less over here, a little bit less over there. And it starts the process of slowing down. So if you want to be close to the Lord, that's entirely up to you. Listen, God will do his part. God will keep you. But if you're yanking your hand out of his hand, that's a bit of a problem. Sort of like when you take a small child and maybe you're crossing the street, you grip their hand or maybe even their wrist a bit tightly so you have control of them. And God is holding on to you, but the question is not, is God holding you? The question is, are you holding on to God? God will keep you. He'll hold up his end of the bargain. Psalm 121 says, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Now, if I wanna be in the shade of God, guess what? I need to be close to him. If you want to walk in the shade of another person, you have to be close. Sort of like drafting. You road bikers know about this, right? If you're out riding and, and uh, someone's ahead of the pack, if you get right behind them, you can draft, which means they help to pull you a little bit, right? So if you want to draft behind God, if you want to stand in the shadow of God, you need to be close to God. 
And if you're far from God or distant from God, that creates the problem. The Jewish priests were told to pronounce this blessing over the people of Israel repeatedly. You know it, Numbers 624. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. Then in the New Testament, 1 Peter 1.5 says, we're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Jude 1.1 says, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Listen, you are kept, you are safe. Thanks for joining us for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. Today, we're talking about the security found in Christ. Pastor Greg has been explaining how we're preserved in Christ, and he continues his message now. Now, here's an interesting twist on this. Jesus mentions Judas Iscariot in his prayer. Verse 12 of John 17. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you have given me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. The son of perdition is Judas. Judas was never a believer to start with. Oh yes, he was an apostle in good standing. Oh yes, he was handpicked by Jesus. Oh yes, he could even legitimately say he was a friend of Christ because Christ addressed him as friend in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the fact is, it was not a reciprocal friendship. He took whatever Jesus offered, but it was always in his heart to betray Christ. And ultimately, the Bible says, Satan entered the heart of Judas Iscariot. See, Jesus keeps his children, but Judas was never one of his children. We're told over in the book of Jude, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this comes back to God's part and my part. I don't keep myself saved, but I keep myself safe. Does that make sense? I don't keep myself saved. God saves me. I am saved. It's a done deal. So that's established. But I keep myself safe. And what that means is I want to keep myself in the love of God. Though God's love is unsought, undeserved, unconditional, it is possible for me to be out of sync with God's love. So when Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God, he's effectively saying, keep yourself away from those things that are unlike him. Keep yourself from any influence that violates his love. Keep yourself in a place where God can actively show his love to you. Because we all know some places that if I go to that place, I'm not really in a place where I'm keeping myself in the love of God. I know certain people I can hang around with. If I hang around with those people, that is not gonna encourage me to keep myself in the love of God. So go to those places where you can keep yourself in the love of God and avoid those places where you can't. And run with other people that share this desire. Let me just illustrate it really simply. How many of you are going on a diet right now? You've gone on a diet. More of you should be raising your hand, frankly. <laughs> From what I'm seeing, I'm thinking, come on. Um, anyway, I digress. I digress and insult simultaneously. So if you're on a diet or if you're trying to lose weight, don't hang around in donut stores, right? 
Don't hang around the pizza parlor or whatever. So that's an obvious illustration, but there's those other things that can feed sin. This is exactly what Jesus meant when he said in the Lord's Prayer that we are to pray, lead us not into temptation. Basically he's saying, Lord, help me to not put myself in a place where I could fall into sin. So he prays for us. He prays that we will stay close to him. Point number two, Jesus prays for our consecration. He prays for our consecration. Now look at John 17 verse 13. Now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. This is interesting. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. We live in the world. What does that mean? I think Christians get confused sometimes. There's an earth and there's a world, all right? The earth is made by the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's not talking about planet earth. When the Bible talks about the world, it's talking about a mentality. It's talking about a culture. It's talking about a way of thinking. It's talking about the whole planet or system under the control of Satan. That is why the Bible calls the devil the God of this world. And that is why 1 John 2, 16 says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Uh, the New Living Translation puts it this way. The world offers only lust for physical pleasure and lust for everything we see and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. So Jesus is saying in verse 14, the world hates you. Well, that's no fun. No one wants to be hated. We want to be loved. We want to be liked. We want to be appreciated. We want to be affirmed because we've always been number one. Right, just for showing up, we got a participation trophy and everything. <laughs> and then you become a Christian. And people just hate you. I hate you. Well, what do you mean you hate me? I hate you. I hate what you believe. I hate everything you stand for. Well, you just became light in a dark place. Let me ask you a question. When you're in a theater and you're waiting for the movie to start, do you like it when someone fires up the old cell phone and starts texting? That little light. It's like, turn it off. Just start throwing M&Ms at them. Don't do that. Because <laughs> I did it and it was bad. No, I didn't, but... You know, that light, it's irritating. It bothers me. I'm watching this movie and all I'm seeing is you texting or doing whatever you're doing on your phone. Seriously? Well, that's how you come off to people who are not believers. They're in their little dark place, enjoying their little dark life and you come in and you're like, chick, chick, and they're like, get out of here. I don't want you here. I'm not saying anything. I know you aren't, but it's just you because I know what you stand for. Don't be insulted by that. Wear it as a badge of honor. Because that's a Christian. Jesus said, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for so persecuted the prophets that were before you. I love that he says falsely. Make sure it's falsely. In other words, don't have people get mad at you because you're just 
weird or obnoxious or obtrusive or uh, insulting or whatever else. You know, just let it be because you're a follower of Jesus. So Jesus says, look, the world is going to hate you. And I, I find it fascinating that he says, I'm not gonna take them out of the world. You know, if Jesus wanted to, he could have raptured you on the day of your conversion. That'd have been kind of cool. Just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I commit my life to you. I choose to follow you from this moment forward in Jesus' name. Whoa. But that doesn't happen, does it? He leaves us here to live in this world. Why does he leave us here? <laughs> Why doesn't he just take us home? Because he wants to reach this world through us. I don't know why, but God has chosen to primarily reach non-believing people through believing people. He has chosen to communicate his love and spread the gospel through us doing it, and specifically through our verbal communication of it. But some of us want to keep as much distance as we can from non-believers. We sort of live in a believer's bubble from sunup to sundown. You know, we get up and we... We get ready for work that day and we're listening to Christian radio, which is great. Then we go read our Bible and we read a little Christian devotion. And then, then we get in our car and we're listening to Christian music, you know, in the Christian car that we got from a Christian car dealer with everything's Christian and wearing Christian clothes. And, and then I get to the place where I work and I'm, I surround myself only with Christians and I ignore all the non-believers, you know. And I mean, and I'm not making fun of anybody listening to Christian radio. We happen to have a radio program or reading Christian devotions, or obviously reading the Bible. This is all good. But your objective is not complete separation from all non-believers. How can they be reached if you're not out there among them, influencing them? So we have a number of choices how, how we can live in this world. One is isolation. Isolation, where we have little to no contact with non-believers. That's a mistake. Because the Bible says, how will they hear unless someone tell them? Number two, it's insulation. Turn a blind eye to them. Well, I don't care that they're not Christians. That's their problem. I've got my salvation. Why should I bother with theirs? Another is imitation, where I become like the world and not the Lord. But the best one is permeation and infiltration. So it's not isolation. It's not insulation. It's not imitation. It's permeation and infiltration. So without compromising my values, I go into their world and I shine the light of Jesus Christ to them. That's what we're supposed to do. Pastor Greg Laurie with biblical insight on how we're to leave our bubble and reach out to those around us who need the light of Christ. Next time on A New Beginning, more from Pastor Greg's message called Jesus' Prayer for You. We'll continue the Lord's appeal for unity. Yes, even in the midst of the divided culture we live in. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Jesus' Prayer for You. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a free copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or online at visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.